Hey, I'm Laura, and you're listening to In Memory of Mo. I report for Scott Center at Carmont High School, and I've been presented with an opportunity to make a podcast, and I decided to use it to tell an important story. But before we begin, we've got to get something out of the way. I'm not here to solve this case, and frankly, I probably can't. I don't know if anyone will talk to me or tell me anything that's really useful. So the both of us are walking into this blindly. But it's been a year since Muhammad Othman was shot and killed in the parking lot of Central Elementary School, and his story deserves to be brought back to light. To know a story, you've got to know your characters. Muhammad Othman, known by family, friends, and adults as Mo, went to Carmont High School. He played defense and wide receiver for the Scots football team, and even led them to a championship. He built a family at Carmont, especially with his coach, Jake Messina, who became a mentor in his life. He worked hard to get his grades up since he couldn't play junior year. And at school, Mo had no real enemies. Everyone that knew him only spoke about how nice, funny, and entertaining he was. So Mo was a good kid. His parents were expecting to attend his graduation in June. Their son was finally graduating high school and moving on to the bigger world. But instead, they attended his funeral in early January. When you hear a story like this, everyone's first suspicion is drugs. The setting, the age. These kids probably just messed with something they weren't supposed to. Therefore, they got popped. Mo was a good kid, and everyone knew that. But on January 7th, 2019, around midnight, Mo took his last breath in Central Elementary School's parking lot. Captain Patrick Hellerin of the Belmont Police Department told KPIX5 News that the police found him lying in the driveway. They tried to render aid, but he was pronounced dead at the scene. Hellerin is almost 100% positive the shooter had a connection to Othman. The next day, parents, teachers, and students received an email covering the incident. The school didn't disclose much, but they announced a memorial and parents were assured their children were safe and that the following day, school would continue. Soon, backpacks and wrists were filled with pins reading number 11, or bracelets with the words, Long Live Mo, number 11. His jersey was framed, the number retired from Carmont's football rosters. It's now mounted on the wall of Messina's classroom. In the past 14 years, Belmont has only seen five total homicides, including Mo. So naturally, this news came as a shock for everyone. Not only was he a child, but he was a murder victim in Belmont. Not San Francisco, not San Jose, not Oakland. Boring Belmont, where kids complain there's nothing to do, and where there's a small downtown with a little bagel shop and a grocery store, and a few parks scattered among the hills between houses. There's no abandoned forests, creepy houses, or remote locations for something like this to happen. For Pete's sake, it happened in an elementary school parking lot with a street of houses less than a quarter of a mile away. It's not a place for murder. Now we know our character, we know the setting, and that's all. There's not much you can do with that. It's like trying to paint the Mona Lisa with kids' menu restaurant crayons. But there's a few pieces of information 
that aren't hard substantial evidence, but they have strong logic to support them. First, it was a Monday night. A school night. He probably didn't wander there with his friends on accident after they got bored of his friend's house. No. It wasn't a Friday or a Saturday. So it gives us a strong suggestion it was a planned meetup. But knowing that Mo was smart, he probably wouldn't have gone if he knew how it'd end. So we know that Mo probably went there for a reason, oblivious to the fact he'd end up dead. But that still doesn't tell us very much. There were no witnesses, and security cameras probably did little to no help. And elementary schools have other financial priorities than a state-of-the-art parking lot security system. Going to students wouldn't have been much help either. Because if Mo were involved with something he'd get killed over, he wouldn't have told many people. One, for his own sake. And two, for the protection of the people he cared about. But say he did tell someone. Those who might know won't speak up in fear of ending up the same way. So now we're stuck. Until only two days later, on January 9th, word got out that the police had detained three suspects associated with Moe's murder. SWAT teams and armored police surrounded a home in a gated community in Pleasanton, California, about 40 miles from Belmont, give or take. But it was too good to be true. And after a few short hours, the three men were released, their names and identities kept confidential. And that's where the story left off. There was no other news regarding Mo's death, or any advancements in the investigation, aside from some recap news stories or police statements which came out. The statements were short, vague, and disappointing, and they all kind of said the same thing. We're looking, we're trying, we're doing our best. We'll find who did this. We're doing everything we can. But everyone knew we were at a dead end. And to many, it felt like the police just gave up. So, people got on with their lives. Every now and then, you'll see a bracelet or a pin. But no one talks about it anymore. So, for Mo, for his family, for his friends, and for every other victim of teen gun violence around the world, I'm going to bring this case back to light. So keep tuning in every other week on Scott Center as we put the pieces together and remember Moe.